0: Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is the HR Mentor. I'm coming to you today from the unceded traditional territories of the Tecumlips to people and want to express my deep gratitude that I'm able to live, work, and play on these beautiful lands. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the most thrilling part of your job search. It's the moment you've all been waiting for, hoping for, dreaming about but also kind of dreading. It's your job offer. This moment can be as exciting as it is nerve-wracking. And even though every job seeker wants one, they can be stressful to receive because now you have to make a decision. Should you accept the offer you were given? Should you turn it down for a better offer that might come through from another employer you're talking to? or should you negotiate with the one in front of you there's so many questions like i said it's both exciting and nerve-wracking like you every job offer is unique and only you can decide what is your best path forward now in my hr career accelerator program we do a lot of background work on what's important to you and decide what your best job fit is. And that makes this decision much easier. The program also has an entire module dedicated to responding to and negotiating your first job offer. Now, if that sounds like that would be helpful for you, check out the link in the show notes for a sign-up form to get on the waitlist and make sure you note the discount code that's exclusive for listeners. I have faced a lot of delays in getting this program out to you, and for that I apologize, but launch details are going to be coming very soon. Now, of course, we can't cover every possible scenario in a job offer negotiation during one podcast episode, but today I'm going to cover part of decision number three or question number three. Let's say you decide the employer and the role are a good fit for you and your career path but the offer isn't exactly inspiring you to sign on the dotted line or paste your e-signature. You may be wondering, what the heck can I negotiate anyway, and how do I figure that out? If that's you, I've got you covered. In this show, we're going to talk about what's on the table in an early career job offer. We will explore what you could possibly negotiate, and how to approach and prepare for negotiation on each of the different terms and conditions. My hope is that by the end of this episode, you'll know what you might be able to negotiate and how to prepare so that you can get what you want and likely what you deserve. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately, a fulfilling HR career. All right, first things first. If you have a job offer and you feel like you need to negotiate and you don't know what to do, please don't panic. Negotiations aren't as terrifying as they sound, especially when you're armed with some insider knowledge. Today, we're going to break down what it's appropriate to negotiate in your job offer and how you can prepare and be confident in what you're asking for. The most important rule to follow when considering your job offer is to think beyond salary. We, of course, are going to talk about salary, but a job offer is so much more than that and your negotiation is going to be more fruitful if you consider the job offer in its entirety. So let's start by talking about five different aspects or common areas of your job offer that might be on the table to negotiate. The first is salary. Like I said, we will talk about that. The second is flexibility. The third is professional development. The fourth is benefits and perks. And the fifth is vacation and leave time. Let's start with salary, because that's where everyone's head goes to when we think about a job offer. And employers more often expect you to negotiate on salary. In order to know if you should negotiate on salary, however, you have to do your homework. First of all, you should have a clear understanding of industry standards for the role you're considering. And this should be based on your qualifications and your experience. Every employer says that their job offer is competitive. But in order for you to know for sure, you need to do some research for similar roles with similar experience and qualification requirements. It shouldn't just be based on your internal perception of what your worth is or what you hope to get, it should be based on some solid evidence. And there's a few places you can go to find this information. Websites like Glassdoor, PayScale, or LinkedIn Salary Insights can provide a wealth of data on salaries for various roles. And this can span across different industries and locations. I also really encourage you to look at job postings for similar roles, as many employers are now posting salary or wage information on the job posting. A third way you can figure out if your offer is competitive is to use your network. If you have a trusted friend or former university colleague that's working in HR, they may be able to give you some insight. You don't have to give them the name of the company, but if you can give them some context and you're working in a similar industry or have a similar role, they may be able to provide you with some insight. They're probably not going to share exactly what they're making, although they might. But even to get a range for a salary at a similar level job would be helpful to you. Now, one important consideration when you're comparing salaries that you have to take into account is location. Geography really matters with salaries. So make sure you're comparing apples to apples, not apples to avocados when it comes to this. If you're considering an offer in a lower cost of living area, chances are your offer might be a bit lower. For example, job offers in more remote locations or provinces might pay a bit more because often groceries and cost of living items can be more expensive. In locations where housing is at a premium, such as Vancouver and Toronto, salaries might be a bit higher because employers know that it costs more to live in those cities. The key is to apply your location to your research on salaries to make sure that you're actually comparing accurate information. The other part that you do have to think about is what you can live on. So I want you to always look at your offer in its entirety but you don't want to get your first HR role and then discover that you still need another job in order to pay the bills. Make sure that this is a salary you can live on, especially if you're considering moving. I think a lot of times we don't calculate the cost of moving to a new location in whatever decision we're making. It's expensive to move physical items. Now, if you don't have a lot of physical items that you're moving, that's great. But if you're setting up house somewhere else, and you have to hook up new utilities, or you are going to have different transportation costs, all of that should be considered when you're deciding whether or not to say yes to a job opportunity. Because if you can't live on the salary, then you might need to negotiate salary or pass on this job and look for a better offer. If you do the research, you will probably have a good idea if the offer you have in front of you is in a competitive range and whether or not you need to talk cash at the negotiating table. Now, let's talk about the second one, workplace flexibility. This has become a super important aspect of modern work life, and it's becoming a hot topic at the negotiating table. Maybe this matters to you a lot, and maybe this is not an issue. You're happy to work the schedule they've offered in their office without any need to flex at all. I have to tell you, after all this work from home over the last few years, I'm quite happy to go to my office and have that space to just focus on work. So maybe this isn't an issue for you. But if flexibility is something you desire, this is definitely worth considering in your offer. Many employers are upfront about the possibility of work from home or flexible schedules, but if they aren't, and this is really important to your lifestyle, you may want to consider asking about it at the offer stage. Perhaps you're a night owl and you thrive working in the moonlight, or you've got to juggle personal commitments during the day. Negotiating for a flexible schedule or a work from home agreement could be a game changer that makes you say yes. That said, if this is important to you and the organization is upfront that there are no options for flexibility, this may not be the offer for you. As for how you explore what might be competitive in terms of work schedules and flexibility, you could explore or engage in online forums related to careers or reach out to professionals in similar roles to find out what other employers offer. Again, looking at various job postings for similar roles could provide you with a great deal of insight into this. Now, contacts you make online or with people in your network could provide insights about the norm in the industry you're going into, or in HR roles in general. And they could provide you with some information about the different types of work-life balance opportunities that organizations are currently offering. I also really encourage you to listen to episode 60 of this podcast. It's called Workplace Flexibility Without Work From Home to see what other flexible work options might be on the table. And you can find the link to this episode in the show notes wherever you're listening. Because it's not just about working from home when it comes to flexibility. All right, the third item you may be able to negotiate are professional development opportunities. This is one that often gets overlooked. We're always learning, right? And perhaps the opportunity to learn and grow so that you can advance your HR career is much more important to you than a short-term salary bump if that's the case, this might be a priority in your negotiation. This could start off as a question during your interview, but if it doesn't come up there, it's definitely worth a conversation at the offer stage. How can the company or organization support your continuous learning journey? What programs or policies do they have that will support your continuous development? It's probably Not best to talk about advancing out of your entry-level role at the time of offer, but you can bring this up more subtly by asking if there are any allowances for training, certification programs, or even further educational studies. I think most employers want to hire people that want to learn and grow, but you just want to be careful that you're not giving them the indication that you're looking to get out of this role as soon as possible because they just hired you to do this particular work and this is the gap they need to fill so just be mindful of how you approach this with them and at what stage of the process you do that again it's a really good idea to conduct some research in advance so one way you can learn about whether the organization values continuous development is to do some research on them you can find this out by reviewing the organization's website or looking at annual reports. Organizations will often showcase employee development programs and promote successful employees on social media or in these documents. LinkedIn can also be a really valuable resource for checking out employers car- or employees' career trajectories within the company. So you can go find people that currently work for that organization and go look at how they progressed. Was it within that organization or was it coming from a different organization? That might give you some indication. Again, this is a pretty safe question to ask during the interview. You might want to ask as one of your questions at the end when they ask you, what questions do you have to say, what are the opportunities for development and growth in this role. And generally, they will start to talk about whatever policies or programs they have to to support continuous development or your own learning. Now, the fourth item you might be able to negotiate are benefits and perks. This can include things like health insurance and other insurance like life and disability, It might include retirement contributions, or it could include some lifestyle perks like gym memberships or commuting allowances or even free parking. You may have a few ways to be creative in negotiating benefits that support your unique lifestyle. Employee wellness and well-being has become very important for organizations as we are starting to break down the barriers of talking about employee mental health and well-being and employers are responding by creating more programs to support people's lifestyles. Now a couple of things to note here. When it comes to employee benefits, many employers will have a benefits package that's provided by a third-party insurance or benefits company. And you will not really be in a position to negotiate premiums that you have to pay or even what's included in your benefit plan. However, what you may be able to negotiate is how soon you're permitted to join the benefits plan. Most third party insurers are going to have rules around this, especially for disability and dental benefits. But if not, you may be able to negotiate joining the plan sooner rather than later. In Canada, it's pretty standard to join the extended health plan after 30 days, but for dental, life, and disability, those tend to be a little bit longer, sometimes even up to six months. So you may not have much flexibility in negotiating those benefits because they want people to stick around before they start accessing those more expensive benefits. When it comes to retirement plans, you may be able to more easily negotiate joining a group RSP sooner or accessing other perks, like I said, gym memberships, clothing allowances, parking allowances, that sort of thing. The key here is to understand what's included in your offer, what the value of it is to you and and in general in dollars, and then again, to do some research and consider what is really important to you. When you're researching benefit packages, you can turn to some industry or government-developed benefits benchmarking reports. There are ones such as one offered by Gallagher. It's called the whatever year, 2021 Benefit Strategy and Benchmarking Survey. These are usually designed for employers who share their information in return for a copy of the report that helps them know if they're competitive, kind of like salary benchmark surveys. So if it's available to the general public and you don't have to pay for it, you will have to probably give them some information to get the report, like your name and email address, etc. But these usually provide in-depth data about what types of benefits Canadian companies will typically offer. Now, research options with less barriers might include websites like Glassdoor and Indeed, which also offer reviews and insights about companies, including information about their benefits packages. So they're great resources for gathering firsthand employee experiences and various ratings about how the entire package looks or how the benefits package looks. Remember, you can also use LinkedIn or your personal network to get a more individual perspective from people that you're in contact with. You can also check out annual reports if the company shares them because they may often talk about changes they've made to their benefits plan to be more competitive in the labor market. The reality is, right now, employers are so keen to be competitive that they're sharing more information. So it might be easier to find things. Now, the last item I suggest maybe on the table for negotiation is vacation and leaves. Extra vacation days, personal leave, or even wellness or earned time off days, ETOs, could be something you negotiate. It's not just about having more beach days, but it's really about work-life balance. And you, have, you may have a better time making an argument for more time off in exchange for accepting the rate of pay and benefits that they initially offered you. I know for a lot of folks out there, this is the most important benefit, but it can often be the toughest to negotiate, especially when you're new. One thing I want to note here is that if you accept the amount of vacation time offered and you already know you have a trip or a wedding or a grad ceremony in the early days of your role, you should probably bring these up at the time of hire. It is much more difficult to get this time off a couple weeks into the new job and it will probably alienate your new employer or manager if you ask at that point in time. It's not unusual to expect to work an entire year or close to a year before you get any paid vacation time. So be really careful about reviewing your job offer and how vacation is calculated and earned so you can manage your own expectations going in. And definitely not a great idea to book a trip overseas for Christmas for two weeks a few months after you start and then get really pissed off when your employer can't give you the time off. You also have to come to the table, recognizing that they've hired you to fill a gap that they have. So we're talking about you asking for things that you want in this episode, but you have to remember it's a two-way street. So they've hired you to do a job, not be on vacation all the time. The employment contract is pretty explicit in that you're hired to do a job in exchange for all these benefits and the salary, not to constantly make demands of your employer and expect them to adapt to all your lifestyle needs and wants. So, I guess what I'm saying is do your homework, but you also have to be realistic, especially when you're new in the role. In terms of where you can find information about competitive vacation and leave policies, well, I would start with the basics. Go to labor law websites and human resource websites because they will often provide guidelines about standard leave policies. And at a minimum, you should know what is statutorily required in your in your province or territory. Next, it's a really good idea to, again, reach out to your network and see what's offered in other job postings. The important thing is to know before you go into the negotiation. So let's just summarize here. We've talked about five aspects of your job offer that you might be in a position to negotiate and where you can find information to help you research what a competitive offer is for your role, your experience and education level, as well as your geographic location. But another question you might have is, when should you counter an employer's offer? Well, the simple answer is once you've received a formal job offer, this is your green light to start the negotiation dance. And when I say a formal job offer, I mean, you've got something in writing that says, these are all of, these are all of the terms and conditions of your job offer. You don't negotiate before you have an offer to look at because you want to see everything that's in there. If they just give you an idea on the phone of here's the starting salary, here's the hours of work, and, you know, here's some, some benefits. You don't really want to start negotiating yet. You want to see everything that's included in there because the entire package might be okay for you. And you don't want to go back and start negotiating with them. If when you look at it in its entirety, it's actually okay. Don't be afraid to ask for a few days to look things over and talk to your family. But once you get that offer, you have to be prepared to move fairly quickly. So you should have already done some research on what is competitive if you have an idea that an offer might be coming your way. I recommend you start this research when you're at a second job interview just in case. Even if you don't get the job offer for this particular role, another one might be around the corner, and being prepared makes this whole process a lot less stressful. But before you do start negotiating, take some time to evaluate the offer in its entirety. Look at salary, benefits, work schedule, leave, and development opportunities. If something feels off or doesn't align with your research or expectations, that's when you might want to consider making a counteroffer. But if overall, in its entirety, you think it's a good offer, don't feel like you have to negotiate. Sometimes the first offer is a really good one, and that's wonderful. But don't put yourself through the stress of feeling like, I absolutely have to negotiate, because lots of times you don't have to. On to the how to negotiate. A lot of people ask, do you write an email or do you make a phone call? How do I go about this? Well, this depends On a couple of things, largely on your comfort level, but also your nature, the nature of your relationship with the employer. If you've been dealing with them primarily over the phone or in person, a phone call is probably the best approach. On the other hand, if your communication has been largely through text or email, then an email could be more appropriate. And of course, it does have the benefit of documenting your exchange. My preference is always to have a verbal conversation and then follow up in writing. But you have to be the best judge of this based on your own experience with this particular employer. Now, whether you choose to call or write an email, there's a few things to keep in mind to help you find success. First of all, always be gracious, polite, professional. Thank the employer for their offer and Express your continued enthusiasm about the potential of joining their team, even if it doesn't work out. This sets a really positive tone for the negotiation. Then, clearly state your counteroffer. Be really specific about what you're asking for. And remember, it's not just about salary. You might be asking for more flexibility, more leave, better benefits, or professional development opportunities. It's not enough to just go back to them and say, oh, this is not really the offer I was expecting, and then leave it up to them to figure out what's going to make you happy and put it together. That's not a negotiation. You need to take responsibility for whatever it is that you're not happy about and be really specific in going back to them. It's also important to make sure that if you do counter offer, you have reasons to back up why you're asking for specific items to be adjusted. Just saying you don't think it's competitive isn't enough. You need to specifically say why you should receive more vacation time or professional development opportunities. Otherwise, they might just say no. Just asking doesn't mean you're going to get what you want, and you have to think about what's in it for the employer. Finally, I really think you have to be prepared to walk away if you can't settle on an offer that aligns with your research, your expectations, or your personal needs. Remember, this is not about being greedy or difficult, or at least it shouldn't be. It's about ensuring that you're valued and acknowledged for your skills, experience, and your potential contributions to the organization. But all of that should be based on what is a normal expectation for this role in this industry and location. Remember, it's perfectly normal to negotiate job offers, even though it's stressful employers often expect it so don't be shy about it but make sure you approach the process professionally and respectfully with clear reasoning for your requests now another place there's no need to be shy is in the review subscribe and like options wherever you're listening to this podcast if you haven't subscribed to the hr mentor be sure to do that right now wherever you're listening It helps people find the show and it helps them advance their HR career. And of course, please give it a five-star rating or a like wherever you're listening and leave a review or a comment. You know, I always love hearing from you. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your time is greatly appreciated. Good luck with your negotiation. Take care. Bye for now.